So, amen. We're in Romans chapter 16. We're closing out um, this book of Romans. And so um, we're not going to cover it all today, but we're going to cover the first 16 verses, uh, which is included my favorite verse, greet one another with a holy kiss. Golly, you got to love that verse if you're a non-touch me, right? <laughs> so um, I will try to get through that verse and figure it out. Um, and this chapter is full of names. God bless them. And um, so don't judge me. Um, just pray for me. So Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 16, he says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the Lord in Centra, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of, of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that's in their house. Greet my beloved Epentus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary. Why can't they all have names like that? <laughs> greet Mary who labored much for us. Greet Androcus and Julia, uh, my countrymen and fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amphilus, my beloved in the Lord, and Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, uh, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Risticulus. Uh, yeah, don't laugh at me. <laughs> Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus. You know, all he did is think about himself, right? <laughs> That's not true. I'm, te I'm teasing. Who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. I probably won't bring that up, but what he is saying is Rufus's mom was like a mom to me. Okay. Greet Ascentris and Philion and Hermas and Patras, Hermes, if you say these really fast, you might. <laughs> and the brethren who are with him greet Philagus and Julia, Nurses and his sister Olympus. And Eric says, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and all the saints who are with them greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you today. And Lord, in myself, I probably would have never preached this passage of, of Scripture if I was topical. But Lord, because of the way you've taught me to preach, Lord, we cover it. And I'm glad. Because God, I believe that every word in the Scripture has importance to our life. So, Father, we just submit this passage to you, and we ask for divine revelation, Lord, to me and to this congregation today. God, every one of us have certain beliefs, and Lord, we are allowing you to change our belief system today, Jesus. If it comes from revelation from the Spirit of God, we accept it as your word. So, Father, we just yield ourselves to you, 
And we pray by your spirit move in this place. And Lord, I believe that, Lord, you can do great things in this building today. Lord, we believe that you already have been moving and you're already doing great things. So, Father, we yield to the spirit of the Lord today. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, I I want to talk to you a little bit about what a church is. A church is not a people processing plant. We're not creating widgets, right? So what are we? We're a family. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you've been in church for about 50 years, you'll remember 50 years ago we called each other brother and sister, right? And that has sort of gone by the way. We're not a seeker-sensitive church. We're not a a, a seeker-sensitive church. This is a place where the Holy Ghost dwells, right? We are seekers of the Most High God. And we yield ourselves to allow Him to teach us. But what is, what is the product that we are building in a church? You. <laughs> We're building people of God, right? We're asking for all flesh to be touched by God. Right? All flesh to be touched by God. Church is a place where the older teach the younger. According to scripture, right? The older folks. Now, what, what's happening in our society? Older folks are being set aside, right? Am I teaching right? By and large, our culture says they serve their purpose at once. Now just move them aside and let's go towards the younger people. I come out of a nonprofit that served older people and in the government, there's always a bit of a, a wrestling over the funds. Who gets all the funds? The younger people are the older people. And I'll tell you who loses every time. The older folks. Because they, they're trying to take care of the youth. And I agree with that. I'm not speaking against that. I'm just saying we're countercultural. You see, it has slipped into the church where the church wants to set the elders aside and allow the new culture to take over. And that's never been God's way. God's way is the older folks stay involved until they breathe their last breath, teaching the younger folks as we pass the mantle down. But we need to teach our values to our younger folks. We need to teach uh, the character of God. And and it it's one thing when a, a 20-year-old teaches a, a 15-year-old. It's another thing when an 80-year-old teaches a 20-year-old. He's got proven character. She has proved... Does this make sense? There's a, there's a proven lifestyle of righteousness that we see in some older folks that have lived godly lives. Folks, if there's anything that this world needs to see today, it's they need to see that that God rewards righteousness. God rewards holiness. Um, And so don't remove the older ones. 
bring them back into the church and say, no, take your rightful position as mentors and teachers and, and teach us all. So that is really what I believe that we should be doing in the house of God. Now, Paul is giving some shout outs, right? I mean, the, how else can you he- see this? He's shouting out to certain people. Why? Because we still have this fallacy that all ministry happens here. And it doesn't. Treve and I started this church as a satellite church in 2007. But we started with Connie and Terry and Rick and Jerry Muse. We didn't come alone. We brought a team down here. If you think... and. and I appreciate, you know, we just come off a couple days where you sent us off for a couple days to rest and and recuperate, and we really enjoyed that, and uh, we appreciate it and say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. But the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17, give honor to whom honor is due, and actually says to give double honor to those who have served well, to the elders who have served well. So... When I'm teaching, I don't want you to think, oh, he's telling us to do this, not this. Okay, that's the the Western mindset is it's yes or no. And I'm saying yes and yes. Okay, I'm saying yes, we honor the elders that have served faithfully. But also we honor those that don't have a title necessarily. That have been faithful to the house of God. People that have taught Sunday school all their life. Or maybe there's nothing that you can lay your hand on and say, she did this all the time. But you know in yourself, that's the lady who brought revival. Because that's the prayer warrior of the church. The intercessors. The Saturday night club. The Tuesday club. Right? Those people that are getting along and all they do is pray. And the church has... I I hate to say this, we have no respect, no high honor for those that that do the spiritual work. (laughs) We will honor the guy who mows the yard more than we will the guy that shows up every Saturday night and prays. And I, and I I want to tell you a truth here. I can tell when I don't come to Saturday night prayer. You can tell it. Now, I'm not necessarily here to promote Saturday night prayer. I'm saying Paul is bringing a message that landed in the Word of God. It was a letter written to Rome. Now, if, if you if you esteem the Word of God the way I esteem the Word of God, there are no chapters that could be ripped out. There's something about chapter 16 that's anointed by God that we needed to hear. And he says, hey, it wasn't just all about me. There was a team of people that has helped me all along the way. And I want you to respect them highly. I want you to honor them. I want you to to do whatever you can do to help them. I want you to help them because they have helped me immensely. And so 
I don't know if he's just calling off the top of his head, but I sort of got a feeling that he's starting with those that are really, really important to him. Greet Phoebe. Phoebe was a woman. My Bible calls her a servant. That word is diconus. It's listed 30 times in the New Testament. Um, three times it's called deacon. 23 times, I think it's called something else. Seven times um, it's called servant. There's a case that could be made. Matter of fact, many of your other versions of the Bible will say greet, um, greet Phoebe, a deacon in the church. There's a case that could be made that she was a deaconess in the house of God. I'm not here necessarily making that case. All I'm saying is she did something that Paul took his hat off for and said, this woman's special. This woman has served the body of Christ. And she has taught others about about him, about Jesus. Paul says in Romans 12.10, he says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. So something about Phoebe, her name means pure and bright and radiant. She had the reputation of helping others. Then he lists Priscilla and Aquila. Now, Paul met this couple in Corinth, and they had been kicked out of of Rome. Um, Claudius kicked all the Jews out, and these is a couple that had to to leave, Priscilla and Aquila. How many have heard of the name Priscilla and Aquila? Yeah, it's pretty common, especially in the New Testament in the book of Acts. And so they were tent makers by trade, and so Paul joins himself with Priscilla and Aquila um, because... Um, they could they could work together to provide for themselves, but they did so much more than that. There was a teacher in the New Testament called Apollos, and Apollos was teaching, but he wasn't teaching the full counsel of God. He knew nothing about the day of Pentecost. So they pull him aside and begin to explain to him about Pentecost, about uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he received that. And later we see great things that Apollos has done. Why? Because this, this humble couple took the teacher aside and taught him the Word of God. There's a couple of things that I want to say about that. I don't care how old you are in the Lord, stay teachable. You know, the Bible says in one spot, and a child shall lead them. You know, you can learn from children. You can learn from people. It's hard to learn when you're talking. Sometimes you got to shut your mouth to be able to listen to other people and, and gather the wisdom. I remember one day I was at Senior Citizens working and Dave and Peg walked in. I can't even tell you what this was about, Dave, but they just came in to see the place and we're sitting in the foyer, standing in the foyer, talking, and Dave starts telling me this story. Now, if you know Dave, that's not far-fetched. He's always telling the story. (laughs) And immediately when he was telling me the story, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, listen to this because there's a truth in this. And I don't remember what it was. 
But I remember that Wednesday night, I brought that to and told the story and said, here's what the Lord was speaking to me. Folks, if we will be quiet sometimes, you may hear somebody say something that the Spirit of God will come alongside and say, they're speaking directly to you. Here's the message that you need to receive. I guess what I'm trying to say is God uses all flesh, right? The prophet Joel said in the last days, you know what the last days are? Yes. The last days is now because this is the last of the last days. The last days started on the Pentecost. The day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given started the clock of the last days. We're at the end of the last days, waiting for the coming of the king, right? We're going to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? Not, not just the, the soft, lovable king, where we're really fixing to see the king of kings break the eastern skies. Hallelujah. Joel said this. He's, now, this is a prophet in the Old Testament, Joel. And he says, in the last days... God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, that actually happened in the Old Testament too. Not that prophecy, but when the Holy Spirit would come upon people, the ladies would prophesy. Um, so it wasn't uncommon. Also, I want to tell you something that I think is really interesting. Um, when they were dividing up the territory, when they went into Canaan, the Jews was going into Canaan, there was a man, I can't remember his name, it was Zelophad or something like that, that had only daughters. He had three daughters. He had no sons. And so they were not going to have possession of any territory in the promised land because it always goes, goes down to the sons and not the daughters. So they approached Moses and they said, we don't think this is right because our dad has fought the, the battles. He's done great things. And we believe that his possession ought to come to us. And Moses examined that and prayed about it and said, you're right. So in the Old Testament, when Israel was taking the territory, there was a group of ladies that claimed the territory and got possession of the promised land. Now I think that's significant. Because I believe God is doing something wonderful in our land. We're going to get to that in just a second. Let me get through all these names. <laughs> Priscilla and Aquila, they actually had a church in their house also. And um, I believe it was this couple, wasn't it? Uh, had a church in their house. And so God, um, Paul is saying, remember them also. Um, I think we also see the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Um, and then he goes on to Eponus. Um, he's the first fruit. He's the first guy that got saved um, when he went into Asia. And I, I will tell you this as a minister, you never forget that first person that raises that hand and says, I want to accept Jesus when you're teaching the word. You'll never forget the people that you lead to the Lord on the street. You'll, they'll, never, they'll never leave you when you're witnessing to people and they say, I want to accept Jesus. Man, it, it's something about your heart that's just like instant bond right there. Um, when we started the church in the fall of 07, we started 
um, Sunday worship in 08. And um, there's a lady in our church who saw uh, an advertisement in the newspaper that we were starting the church and she felt she wasn't a Christian, but she felt the Lord spoke to her and she said, and said, that would be a, now would be a good time to get in church. And that's a good one for you. That's Shay Smith. And she, uh, she's been with us ever since then. And, um, I have watched Satan go after Shay many times to try to draw her out of this church. And yet she has stayed true. And, um, she is one that if I was doing a shout out, her name would come up, I promise you. There's Mary, and she's a Jewish woman who labored much. Um, so she has labored. We don't really know what she did, um, but she was worth recognizing. And, G- and, and Paul is saying, now you take care of her. There's Andronicus and Julius. Um, we think this is probably husband and wife. Uh, don't know for sure. It could just be ministry partners. Um, but they were imprisoned with Paul which I think is really unique. Um, so Paul probably met them in prison. And so they, they developed uh, a great friendship and they helped Paul from then on. There's Rufus. Now, we don't know for sure, as you read your commentaries, you don't know for sure, but I believe that this is the son of the man who carried the cross. If you'll remember Simon, was it Simon or Simeon? who carried the cross for Jesus, and he said his two sons were there, Rufus and somebody else. And I believe that day, that little boy saw something that never left him. He saw Jesus die on that cross, and he knew that was significant. And here, later, many years later, he has helped start the church, and and God has worked in his life, and it was his mother um, that, that Paul said, she's been my mom too. All these names were labors for Christ. He's given honor. We could say that these are people who served in obscurity. Maybe not well known. Never had the fivefold ministry on, on them. Um, but they still served. Their life is characterized by, by love and they served well. So what significance can we draw here? Women have been important to the church from day one. Now, I'm going to say some things, and I may slap you around a little bit today. (laughs) That's okay. Husbands, I'm going to preach to your wives, and I don't want you to disregard what I'm saying. Because here's my thought. See, if a woman doesn't feel like she can be used by the Holy Ghost, doesn't feel like she is worthy because of her gender, she eliminates herself from anything God can do. Does that make sense to you? In other words, she pulled herself out of the ballgame. Because she says, I'm a woman, I, I can't do this. Why? Because of a couple of things that Paul said later in Timothy, women be silent in the church, which I believe he was addressing a problem. Many times Paul's letters were addressing things that were happening in the church. 
And we have taken them and made doctrines out of them. But it was only to address a problem that was going on. So I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I would rather see you go forward with allowing God to use you regardless of your gender and then let God straighten it out later. You know God will do that? See, I guess what I'm saying is if you say, well, God can't use me because I'm a woman, then you went over here. God's group is over here and you said, I'm just, I can't be used. But if you'll stay here and say, God, I don't understand all the scripture, neither does my pastor. (laughs) But all I say is I say, yes, Jesus. And if you can use me, whether I'm male, female, boy or girl. I say yes. And Lord, I will be willing to be taught and I yield myself to the Holy Spirit. God will work it out. God will show you, okay, that's too much. Or, come on, baby, we can do something. We can do some great things. All I know is Scripture does not contradict Scripture. Only in our minds. Does this make sense? Because of our limited knowledge, we sometimes feel like Scripture... um, What did I just say? Contradicts Scripture. It does not. All the Scripture works together like one book. You know why? Because it has one author. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit wrote the Word of God through 40 different men. It's an amazing book. We can never do that without God. Two men cannot write a book that doesn't contradict each other without God. Right? It takes God to bring unity. And God brought the unity of the Word of God. But now some sophisticated, self-learned men will stand and say, Oh, that book contradicts it. And Christians will say, Really? Wow! I didn't know it contradicted. It doesn't! It doesn't! Don't listen to a man. Listen to God! God wrote the book. The book is is spiritual. And if you try to receive a spiritual book with a carnal mind, you're going to come up with some weird doctrine. The Word of God is revealed knowledge. And so we must allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us. So what happens if I have a false belief is I I wind up living my life and building my life on this false belief. Does that make sense? And if my false belief is God cannot use me because I'm a woman. And I don't know how many of you have been taught that, but I'll bet you half of you in this congregation, half of the ladies at least, probably half of the men, have been taught that God cannot use me because of my gender. Nonsense. Get that out of you. Come on. God said, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. God wants to, God wants to use everybody. You know, the Holy Spirit's a great, the great equalizer, isn't he? It's amazing to me. So Paul lists 28 people and 10 of them were women. A third of the the people that Paul gives a shout out to are women. Now, I think that's significant. 
I think, because he is the guy that wrote Women Be Silent in the Church. And yet he's saying, but these ten women, man, did they help me along the way. Most of us that are in the kingdom are in the kingdom because some godly grandma prayed us in. Not all leadership happens from the pulpit. Much of it. You know, I guess what I would say is what I like to see. I like to see a husband and wife come together and God lead through that couple. Right? And you may think that's common, but it's not. More and more ladies are pulling themselves out of the ministry and their husbands are pastors. But they just attend or they play some very insignificant role. I don't believe, see, I believe when God calls one, He calls them both. And God wants to use them both because they complement each other and they complement the church. So God wants to, to use you, um, and I, I just want you to, I want you to put yourself back in the ball game. I want you to submit to God and allow Him. Now, in the assemblies of God, this is nothing new. We believe that women hold every position in the church, including pastor. You know, now you can disagree with that or you can agree with it. But here's what I'm trying to say. Just understand, ladies are anointed. Ladies are anointed to speak the Word of God. Matter of fact, there's a lady here in this region. Um, I can't call her name right now, but I've read her book. She's going into the jail and preaching to other ladies, and she's having more of a revival than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Donna Sparks. I mean, and this lady's had a rough life. She's been married and divorced. Boy, that's another sacred cow we could jump on, isn't it? Well, God can't use you after divorce, can He? He is Donna. Isn't it amazing how all through Scripture we see the very same thing? Where people says, no, no, I'm not a candidate for, for you to use because I stutter. I'm a murderer. I've committed adultery. You get this? David did all three of them. <laughs> I mean, you can't hardly list a sin that David didn't. And God says, that's a man after my own heart. Buddy, we wouldn't allow him, David in our pulpits today. There's no way. Am I teaching truth? Every man, woman is, is flawed in some way but God. It ain't about you. It's not about your gender. It's not about your education level. How smart you are, how rich you are. It's about God in you. Are you willing to allow the Holy Ghost to use your flesh to do whatever He wants to do? Oh yeah, I like it. I like it. Oh yeah. And the last thing that he says that I think is of significance, whether I like it or not, 
is greet each other with a holy kiss. Now the last time I preached that, Chris tried to kiss me at the back door. I said, get thee behind me, Satan. (laughs) He puckered up. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So it's cultural, right? If we were in France, they'd be kissing each other on the cheek. But if we were in Asia, they'd be bowing to each other, showing reverence. In the Western, we shake hands. What it is, it's a symbol of deep love, affection, covenant, and relationship. So I end with the same point I started off with. Church, we're a family. Family loves each other. Families also fight once in a while. And we're pretty good at that sometimes. But at the end of the day, we come back together and we love each other. We hug each other. You may even, if you're, if you're one of those people, I had some aunts like that. They was always kissing you on the cheek. Um, I'm not a kisser. I'm not a person of, of a great affection. But let me give you some ABCs of authentic affection. Number one, accept each other. I love when Paul said, welcome. Welcome each other. The church is not supposed to set up this judgment zone where you don't look like me. You need to have a haircut and you're at least going to have to wear long sleeves because I'm tired of seeing those tattoos. We've never been called to be judges like that. The Bible says, welcome. Welcome. Welcome each other. Jesus welcomed. You know, the Pharisees got so mad at him because when he was walking down the street, he looked up in a tree and saw a little tax collector who they thought was so evil. He said, Zacchaeus, you need to get down here. I'm going to your house today. And the fruit of salvation came to Zacchaeus because he said, if I've cheated any man, I'll pay him back four times. And half of everything I have, I'll give to the poor. And that was with one afternoon with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? One afternoon with Christ. I promise you, I can preach a thousand sermons, but God will do more in ten seconds at this altar than I can do in a lifetime of preaching sermons to you. We need to get alone with the Holy Ghost. Boy, I'm going to tell you, we live in a world that needs to see godly people that have been set apart by Him, that have been alone. Remember what they said about the disciples? We can tell those guys have been with Christ. I just wonder if anybody would say that about you. Boy, there's something I can tell. I can tell you've been with Christ. First one is accept each other. The second one is become a servant. Find some place to, to serve the church. I don't care what you do, but you need to serve the body of Christ. Find something. I'm amazed at people that will walk by trash. I hope the custodian gets that. And I'm here sitting thinking, I hope you get it. <laughs> you know, come on, there's a, don't tell me there's a light bulb out. Ask me where the ladder's at. Okay, we won't get on that. <laughs> and the last thing, number C, is cultivate a lifestyle of loving and esteeming each other. This is really the scripture here. Giving honor. What does that mean? When we're together... You're more important than I am. And your attitude is no pastor. You're more important than I am. See, we ought to beat each other up saying, what can I do to help you? What can I do? You know, there's deep wisdom inside of every person. 
we need to take time to get it out. We need to take time. See, there's not a lot of fellowship that happens right here because you're being quiet while I'm teaching you the Word. But what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to come together and say, Hey, well, can you go to lunch with me today? Because I want to get to know you. Cultivate that lifestyle. Loving each other and esteeming each other. Okay, I, I feel like... Stand with me. I, I want to pray for you. But I, this altar service is going to start to be really pointed. I want to pray for ladies that says this. I feel a call of God on my life. But all my life I've been told that that's not right. And I want to just say, Lord, count me in. Whatever you want for me, I'm getting back in the ball game. And I want to say, I want to say yes today to the Holy Spirit. So really, by and large, it's for ladies. But men, you that might be you too. So I, I just want you to gather if, if you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, I want you to, to come and assimilate up here in the front. We're going to say a prayer for you. I'm Brother Dwight, I want you to come also if you'll stand over here in front of Treva. Um, Dorcas, I don't know what you're feeling, but um, but when I was putting this sermon together, you kept coming before me. And so I, I'm not calling you into anything, but I think God is. And so I'd like the opportunity to pray for you. So, ladies, would you come? Um, if you're married, I really would love for your husband to come and stand behind you. Let me say one other thing. In Pentecost, if it wasn't for the ladies, there probably would be no such thing as Pentecost. It was the ladies that have kept the church going many, many times in, in the Bible or in, in our culture. Ladies have, have prayed the prayer. Ladies have done the work. So this is wonderful. God bless you. God bless you. Man, this excites me. You know God's got a calling on your life, right? Will you shake your head? God's calling me to do something. Now, we, we may not know what that calling is. I think the highest calling God does is mothers. I don't believe there's any higher calling than to be a mom. But I believe that God is calling up here more than mamas. God is calling people that will take the gospel. How He does that in you... Um, I, I'm, I'm saying this to say this. I don't want you to assume anything like, well, God's got to use me this way. No, you let God be God. All you're doing today is saying, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Dale, will you come up and stand for Joyce? Because I know Joyce would be here. Hallelujah.
can't pray for you individually. I wish I could. Ah, yes, I will. <laughs> if you want to.